It's been a few months. It's been more than eight months since the Buccaneers played a real game in Raymond James Stadium, but that will change this Sunday as the defending Super Bowl champions are going to come calling the Philadelphia Eagles. I am Mike Neighbors, and welcome back to PeterPirates.com's podcast, A Few Extra Bucks. Shortly, our Buccaneer insider Roy Cummings will join me along with our producer, Justin Thomas, who makes all the magic happen behind the scenes. I'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews. Great place. You got to go there. Lutz, Florida, Northdale, Mabry, and Van Dyke. And, of course, Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great locations in Clearwater and on the beach in Treasure Island, Florida. Let's get right to it. Justin Thomas in Salt Lake City, Utah. We pulled down a lot of good sound today from uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Todd Munkin. I got to say, Todd Munkin has a soundbite coming up. I don't want to overplay this at all. But I'm a big fan of Todd Munkin now. Just just hearing what he said at today's press conference, I thought was one of the most revealing sound bites from a coach that I've maybe ever heard. Wow, I'm anxious to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So we got that coming up. But uh, we have Justin and Roy. Roy, let's let's talk about weather first off the bat. This time a year ago, you know, the Bucks felt pretty good about themselves. They survived hard knocks. They had a lot of expectations. They won their season opener, and then all of a sudden. They're not playing football, and I know football secondary. I'm not trying to say that uh, the wrong decision was made, but this is a football podcast, so we're going to talk about it. Their game against the Miami Dolphins was canceled. It was the right decision, but I think it affected this football team. They didn't have a bye week. You don't want a bye week in week number two, and I think that really had an impact on this team in, in some ways. Yeah, it really did, and and you're looking at it from the standpoint of how it affected them long term over the course of the season where – I think they definitely got worn out and tired, and it affected them late in the season uh, a little bit because of no bye week. Um, that's as much of a mental grind uh, as anything or a mental break that they hope to get because of the grind uh, as anything. But I th- I'll look at it from a different standpoint. Like My feeling that of what happened last year was this was a team, the Buccaneers were a team ready to go, uh, ready to come out of the gates. And in essence, it's like a sprinter having, you know, getting a false start. And um, I just think they kind of lost a lot of momentum uh, coming out of that. And I don't think they ever recovered from it. It added another week to Doug Martin's uh, suspension. And I think that affected Doug Martin, which affected their running game, which affected their offense, which never really caught fire the way uh, it's capable of. And the defense, you know, just continued to struggle. And, you know, all of that, I think it, it affected them in a lot of ways, uh, particularly mentally. And I just believe that you're absolutely right. I think few people really look at it. You can use it as an excuse, but I think it's a valid excuse. I just feel that uh, the, the way that season started with a false start like that, having to try to rev it up again to get going in what turned out to be week two, uh, they never really found their rhythm after that. And I think that uh, I, I think it affected them all throughout the season. I agree 100 percent. Let's talk about the distractions for this football team now. You know, they're still you know, they're focused on the Philadelphia Eagles. But that was a huge win in the season opener. We've talked about it in our last podcast at length against the New Orleans Saints. We also had a podcast right after the game. We're going to continue to give you that kind of coverage. But right now, injuries are front and center with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers since we talked last, Vernon Hargraves put on the injured reserve. He's out for the year. But the good news on the practice field today for the Bucks: wide receiver Deshaun Jackson and Jason Pierre-Paul back on the practice field. Now, uh, Deshaun still could be in protocol, but still no Brent Grimes and, of course, no Vita Vea. What concerns you the most about these injuries right now? Well, you're going to start 
uh, an NFL game against the Super Bowl champions again, you know, without your top two cornerbacks, more than likely Vernon Hargraves and uh, and Brent Grimes. You say what you want about Vernon Hargraves, but um, he is the number two cornerback on this team. Um, you're going to have to more than likely throw rookies out there or Ryan Smith, who's, uh, in my opinion, not, not a good option. I, I think I'd rather see Carlton Davis go out there and learn the hard way yeah. um, along with MJ Stewart. Um, you know, so this you're already you're, you're you've cut into your depth. Uh, you've lost your first line of cornerbacks. Uh, you're into the second group now. Uh, the JV and Elliott's, the, the, the Carlton Davises and guys like that. And look, as much uh, talent as I think we all believe that Carlton Davis has, you saw what happened last, last week when uh, uh, he got in there against Drew Brees. I'm not going to put Nick Foles in the Drew Brees category um, but by any stretch. But at the same time, Nick Foles is smart enough to pick out the weak link on a, on a defense and pick on him. And he may have his, his choices there between Carlton Davis if he plays like he did last week and Ryan Smith, if he plays like he normally does. So uh, outside corner could be an issue. I don't know. Maybe they'll put MJ Stewart out there. My guess is they'll probably try to mix it up a little bit. But um, this is going to be tough. The Bucks are going to have to, boy, they're going to really have to batten down the hatches. Uh, and that's secondary. The safeties are going to have to come up. They're going to have to come up with a different kind of scheme here uh, to offset the loss of the two, uh, two cornerbacks. This is why life in the NFL is so tough. Uh, you have the first game. You look great. And Jason Light, to his credit, uh, beefed up the defense where it needed it on the defensive line. And, of course, in the secondary. And then right off the bat, you get hit hard in injuries in both areas. Let me throw it the other way. You know, when you win a Super Bowl, Roy, you know this. You see it every year. It's fitting because the Eagles come in here. Two things generally ha- – or three things generally happen when you win a Super Bowl. A, you're good. B, you avoid injuries. And C, you get some breaks. Now, if you look at it on the positive side for the Bucks. Maybe this is the, the, a great year for them because they caught New Orleans off guard a little bit. I think New Orleans took them for granted a little bit, but there wasn't any luck there at all. They were skillful, and they won that game. But this week, they could have had Carson Wentz. Let's say he got back, but it's Nick Foles. And Nick Foles is a guy who struggled in the preseason and didn't look great in the opener against the Atlanta Falcons. What do you think from Nick Foles this week? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's certainly a, a belief out there that uh, Nick Foles basically just, um, you know, got the hot hand last year and, and, and rode the wave into the playoffs in the Super Bowl and played good, sound, efficient football. Hasn't played that well in the preseason. Uh, was just okay, really, uh, when you look at it. You know, he was winning quarterback in week one, but, you know, wasn't spectacular. But, again, with the Eagles, that's all you really need. And this is something I think a lot of people have forgotten, in my opinion, about – Carson Wentz. Everybody wants to, you know, praise Carson Wentz. He's a good, solid quarterback right now. I'm not going to deny that. But uh, the key to beating the Eagles is finding a way to score on that defense right now. Uh, I don't think the Eagles are, gonna, Eagles are in a, a threat to put up 30 points or more. Um, although against the Bucks, that could happen. But huh. yeah, Nick Foles. He's a smart quarterback. You just have to be a little bit smarter than him. And you know, I think the Bucks have the ability to do that. Um, Personnel-wise, they're down a couple of guys. But I think Mike Smith, uh, he should be able to figure out a way to confuse Nick Foles and and bring something at him that he hasn't seen before uh, to put him back on his heels. That That's really what has to happen there. And to be honest with you, if you really want to affect Nick Foles, get him in third and long. That's, that's where you're going to beat Nick Foles, and that means stopping the run. You look at guys like Nick Foles and Case Keenum. They struggled for a big part of their careers, and then they, they catch fire sometimes. 
and you wonder if Nick Foles can sustain it. And for the if you're a Buccaneer fan, you hope it was a flash in the pan a year ago. Well, speaking of that Eagles defense, let's bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, where I got a kick out of watching his press conference today. You know, he's getting asked all these questions about how great he is and what a great game he has. And you know Fitz, Roy. He's uh, <laughs> kind of laughing at it. He doesn't get too high or too low, and that's what you like about him. He's truly a veteran. Well, Fitzpatrick was asked what he – respects the most about this Eagles team and feels like they're going to have to uh, really guard against to win this game? They play fast. They play hard. Their, their front four is able to generate a lot of pressure. Um, you know, and that's not to say they're, they're not going to blitz or come after you, but uh, those guys, those guys are, are tough to block up. You know, they're a really talented group, and they're deep up front. And so I think if you're looking for one thing that jumps out overall, that, that would be the first that would come to mind. I guess you agree with that, huh? You just talked about the D, but this Eagles, to me, it shows how good the Eagles are, Roy, that they're probably not going to miss Vinny Curry or Bo Allen. And those two guys are going to be big parts of this Bucks team. It just shows how deep they were on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, it really does. Uh, they can lose those two guys and still be uh, as strong as they are. I mean, that's that's why they let them go, partially. Uh, they, they felt like they can uh, afford to do that. Um, yeah, that's that's good. They're, they're a deep team, and, and they're an effective team, and uh, – Ryan Fitzpatrick's right, but you know what? That's good. I mean, I, I think this is a good challenge for the Buccaneers. I, I kind of look at it a little bit differently. Everybody wants to take things, you know, I'm scared of this, scared of that. Don't, worry, don't be scared of anything. You know, the, the Bucs have a challenge on their hands. Let's. I'm anxious to see how that offensive line holds up, how they run the ball against that challenge, and obviously how Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, performs against it. I, I, I think the fact that you're playing one of the better defenses, this is a big opportunity for the Buccaneers to – uh, prove yet again to doubters that we're a better team than people think we are. Uh, we can score against anybody. Uh, I'm sure that's how they're looking at it. So I'm anxious to see how they do it. Well, to finish my point earlier, if they win this game because maybe a Nick Foles didn't play well, and then let's just say next week they win on Monday night against the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell comes back in week four, then you're starting to think it might be a special year for the Bucks, right, Roy? You start, things start to break your way. Or maybe back to your point, you shouldn't freak out about the schedule so much. Hey, Things are breaking their exact. Well, that point I will I will definitely agree with. I have never been a fan of or, or a big proponent of looking at the schedule a the day it comes out and and getting all worked up over it. Yeah, yeah okay, it looks like a tough schedule. Yeah, it looks like a tough schedule based on what happened last year. But a lot of things happen over the course of a of an off season, uh, and, and sometimes teams get better, sometimes they don't. My and my feeling is that usually on a, on every team's schedule. There's one or two or three games that when you look at them on the day the schedule comes out, and even again on opening day, uh, you look at it and say, oh, that's, that's going to be a tough one. And you, you find out, you know what, <laughs> that wasn't tough at all. And then there's a couple more where you say, oh, that should be an easy win. And you find out, you know what, uh, this Bears team is a little bit better than we thought. Boy, look at the Rams. They're, uh, they're actually pretty tough. Don't want to face them. And, you know, so everything changes. So uh, I look at it. Uh, when you get into the season, you got to play the schedule anyway. Again, uh, never, never a fan of people who go into a season looking at the schedule and being afraid of it. Uh, yeah, the Bucks are facing the three, the three based on last year, uh, the toughest uh, three games ever to start a season in the Super Bowl era against three opponents. But um, they've already beaten one of them. The next one's coming in with uh, an injured wide receiver and Alshon Jeffrey, a backup quarterback. And, uh, you know, so there's an opportunity and you got them at home. So there's an opportunity there. And then, then the next team comes in and already Ben Roethlisberger's hurt a little bit and they don't have Le'Veon Bell. So right now, 
on paper, I'm saying, okay, hey, it looks like opportunities to win if I'm the Buccaneers. Yeah, exactly. Let's go back to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I agree with everything you said right there. It'll be interesting how it plays out. You know, Fitz Magic, I don't know who coined that, but they should copyright it because that's all I'm hearing hearing in Tampa and around the NFL. I mean, it's Fitz Magic. It's kind of Fitz Tragic in New Orleans. They're trying to rebound from the Ryan Fitzpatrick Express. I thought it was interesting in his press conference today. He said, you know, he heard from a lot of people, but the the one that kind of stood out, stood out was Archie Manning. I uh, texted him and said, uh, you got to give all the credit to the uh, Archie Manning pass, the Manning Passing Academy. That shows how long the Manning Passing Academy has been around, Roy, that Ryan Fitzpatrick attended it back in the day wow. when he was in college. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, talked about a lot of things at his press conference today. And I thought this was the most telling of everything that he said was kind of the evolution of him as a quarterback. And he feels he's playing the best he ever has. I think – the places where I've done well, uh, you know, you're able to play at the line of scrimmage a little bit. You've got some veteran guys on the outside, um, you know, that kind of understand the game and can take the next step in terms of what we're trying to do. Uh, and then also just, I think all the different experiences I've had, it just, I just continue to become a better player, whether people think that or see that or not. Uh, you know, I'm, better right now than I've been at any point in my career. And a lot of that is just mentally and whatever else. But, you know, there's a lot of different throws and things that are so much uh, ingrained in you, so much muscle memory from working and doing it for a long time that uh, truly, like, the I feel like the older I've gotten, the better I've become. Well, I kind of that, – that's really telling from Brian Fitzpatrick. I kind of feel like that's a country and western song, like I'm as good as I ever was or something. I don't know what I'm saying here. But, yeah, Brian <laughs> Fitzpatrick, I, I just felt like that was very candid and, and, and that shows how smart he is as a football player. No, it does. And, you know, I learned early on in covering the NFL um, that the older you get, the smarter you get, obviously. And the game slows down for you, which is why a lot of guys – are able to play past a certain age when their bodies are starting to fail them a little bit. Um, Ronnie Barber was one of those guys, you know, for example. Um, I think Derek Brooks was one of those guys who, you know, you get to a point where your body's starting to break down a little bit, but you can still be effective because you know exactly where to be, you know exactly what's coming. You look at, I mean, look, you know, look, look at Peyton Manning uh, in the Super Bowl a couple years back. Look at your, your boy Drew Brees. I mean, Drew Brees is not the physical player. Physically, he's not the same guy. He's lost. You know the funny thing, Roy? Everybody talks about how old Ryan Fitzpatrick is, but he's four years younger than Drew Brees. Who looks older? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say Fitzpatrick. Um, I know but, it's the beard, but you know what I'm saying. Beard. But, but again, you know, the point is, as you get older, you just get smarter. And, and you don't need to have that fastball necessarily. You don't need to have some of the – uh, weapons that you had early on in your career because you're smart enough to to know that well look uh, there's no way uh, there's no way I'm going to make this play so I'm not going to throw the ball here or there's no way we're going to you know we're going to make this play so I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to have us pass on this down we're going to run the ball on this down you make the change at the line and um, you know you see blitzes things like that so uh, these are very important uh, aspects that again a lot of people don't take into consideration as players age. Uh, they usually get smarter because uh, everything is slowed down for them in a, in a big way. 
You know, my favorite interviews on any football team, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but have always been offensive linemen. I think offensive linemen are always the best interviews, uh, almost from top to bottom, uh, across the line. They're the most successful guys, generally the most modest guys. And Ryan Jensen intrigues me because you see this in a lot of a lot of ways with offensive linemen. Man, they can be nasty football players, but when you talk to them, they're just the, the most gentle guys in the locker room or even after a game sometimes. And he, to me, personifies that. Here's Ryan Jensen on the, the offensive line for the Bucks so far, which to me is a big reason Ryan Fitzpatrick played well. We saw some flashes from Peyton Barber and obviously the great, the great performance by the offense in New Orleans. But here's Jensen on the offensive line. It's, uh, it goes to show um, the type of relationship we have as, as teammates and stuff like that. Uh, offensive line is a very cohesive uh, group. And I feel like uh, with, even with the short uh, limited amount of reps that we had together, we, uh, we came together really well. You know, the, the, the Bucks have picked up some questionable free agents in the Jason Light era, but I think Ryan Jensen, when all is said and done, you may look back and say he brought a, a nastiness and a toughness to this offensive line. And obviously moving Marpet back helps, but Jensen could really solidify this in a lot of ways, Roy. Yeah, he really could. Um, you know, the Bucks have had, uh, you know, they had Joe Hawley there in that spot last year and the year before. And Joe Hawley was, you know, as tough and mean a player as there was in the NFL, but he didn't have... Ryan Jensen's size and skill set. That, that's the difference is uh, you're just talking about a, a slightly a, a different caliber player. Uh, you know, with all due respect to Joe Hawley, um, Ryan Jensen's Pro Bowl caliber uh, at the center position. And, uh, you, and, you know, the Bucks I think, are going to benefit from that. And as I said before, they're going to benefit from the fact that Ryan Jensen allows them to move Ali Marpet back to guard, which is his best position. And uh, I just think they've got a real strong – uh, unit there, particularly on the left side. Um, we'll see how Caleb Beninock works out uh, alongside DeMar Dotson at right tackle. But right now, as a unit, I think this is a much stronger unit than it ever was last year, and maybe even the year before. And that's one of the reasons uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was so successful last week was because the guy barely got touched, you know. And um, so uh, if you can keep your quarterback clean the way they did and open up some big holes in the running game early the way they did, uh, you're going to make the play action fakes more effective and you're going to make your quarterback and your passing game a lot more uh, uh, lethal. So that's what happened. That's what championship football teams all have in common. They have that great play from both of their lines and the Bucks are off to a good start on the offensive side. Let's stay on the offensive side where Roy, you know, we've talked about that season opener against the New Orleans Saints and there's so many great stats. I mean, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick accounts for five touchdowns. I mean, Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans, caught every ball that was thrown to them. 48 points. Uh, the last time they did that was a Super Bowl. I could go on and on and on. I'm going to get to this Todd Munkin sound. Todd Munkin, I don't want to overplay this, and you could call me out, but we hear so much, so many cliches from coaches, no emotion. You know, this is a game. I know it's a business, but it's a game. It's a game of emotion, and I love when I hear emotion from players, and I really love it when I hear from coaches and here is Todd Monk in the Bucks' offensive coordinator about, talking about the feeling after the big win in New Orleans. I was kind of numb. You know, when it goes like that, you're a little numb. Like, are you going to wake up? You know, like, I mean, I'm serious. You know, you're like, that doesn't happen very often. You know, you, you, you react to it because you're, you just reflect back to all the things that you worked on in camp and with the guys and the meetings and all those things and talking about receivers and their releases and holding their lines and giving guys a chance and all the things you work on, you're going, 
boy, it's, you know, this is fun. You know, this is, this is, uh, and you're relieved, you know, um, you just are because all the work you put into it and um, to see the guys execute and see their excitement, that's what you do it for. It, see their reaction in the locker room and, and the coaches and all you put into it. So it's, uh, there's nothing like, there's nothing like winning. Did I ever play, play that Roy? I thought that was pretty good stuff. It is good stuff. You know what? It is? It's good. It, you break it all down, and basically what he's saying there is an old cliche. It's great when a plan comes together. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. The, 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 what we saw on Sunday was an example of a unit of coaches, a group of coaches putting a game plan together, and then the players going out and executing the game plan. Look, I, I said it before. I thought I thought a lot more was going to be made of the whole uh, Todd Munkin calling the plays business. I'm glad a lot hasn't because the bottom line is it doesn't matter who's calling the plays. All plays are designed to work. What happened on Sunday was the Bucks Bucks executed almost every one of those plays to perfection. And when you execute them that way, they work. And when they work that well, uh, you win big. So, uh, or at least you put a lot of points up and win. So th- th- that's you know that's what happened. And yeah. Uh, that's what Todd Munkin is alluding to, all the little details. And you're right, first uh, week out, you know, uh, that's exactly what you want to see. You want to see uh, kind of a reward for all the time that you put in in training camp, all the work that you put in during OTAs. Uh, all that time is built up, you know, yeah, it's built up for an entire season, but it first manifests itself in that opener. And if you can come out in the opener and execute the way they did uh, on, on the offensive side of the ball, you can't help but feel like this, guys, is what we're capable of. See how it works. It's it's a you know it, it proves to the players, not that anyone had a doubt, but it just proves to everyone. See, guys, it works. You follow what you know we we ask you to do. Do it the right way. It's going to work. This and 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 if you get people to buy in that way, buy in consistently, it's usually going to keep on going. So you got a bunch of believers in that locker room on that side of the ball right now. What the Bucks need to do is fix the other side. But but hearing a coach say, I felt numb, I felt relieved, you don't hear that too often, Roy. No, you don't. That's uh that's you know, I, I don't think you overplayed it at all. That's good stuff, man. That's Todd Munkin, who uh, look, he he speaks from uh, the heart. Um, he's a lot like Dirk, uh, doesn't pull punches. Uh, he's even better when you get no. him off to the side and uh, don't have a, a microphone or a tape recorder in front of him because He'll tell you. He'll tell you the real deal, man. And uh, you're right. Uh, look, this guy was a head coach in college. My guess is he will be again at some point, somewhere, because um, he's a good offense. He's good. He's a good football coach. That's for darn sure. I remember the first time I interviewed him. I was doing a college tour. One of the networks I used to work for. He was with uh, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. Uh, so he's well traveled. He's been around. He's been around some good head coaches. Well, let's talk about you know Monk and some more. And, and you know, I, he he went out of his way today at his press conference to say it's a collective effort. You know, just as you you said, Roy, and, and I think we all know that. But Munkin is adding something, and I think it's taking some pressure off of Dirk. And there is something to that. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was uh, asked about the Munkin magic today. He does a great <laughs> job. You know, he he watches so much film during the week. He, he's up there grinding all the time. So uh, the other thing is just, you know, when we meet all the different voices in the room and everybody being on the same page, uh, that, that's been nice. It's been nice to have Todd in our room a little bit more this year, you know, now that he's not full-time with the receivers. And to take you behind the curtain a little bit, the last song we have from Munkin, he talks about the game plan that Roy broke down really well 
uh, in this podcast, you know, what went into it and how they adjusted to it against the Saints? I don't think we expected that much man coverage, but we did get it. So, you know, it's not all the time you – sometimes you get it and you don't take advantage of it. And I thought our guys took advantage of that, and that's a credit to, uh, to the players, you know. And I, I really feel like it's a byproduct of how we practiced. I mean, you can, you can see that. You guys can't always see that, but we can see that. We saw it in the preseason. We saw a lot of things being done better. It's early, Roy, but I'm hearing about practice again. Cutter's talked about it. Now Munkin's talking about it. Yeah. Well, you know what? Look, that's where it starts. I mean, usually uh, most teams that come out and play well on Sunday will come back and tell you, you know what, we had a good week of practice. And we've seen it a lot where, you know, the Buccaneers in particular say, well, you know, we didn't have that good a week of practice. And it, it caught up to us today on Sunday. So, yeah, it starts in practice because, again, it, it's, you know, practice builds confidence. And if you're doing it right in practice and seeing the execution properly and, and getting the results you're looking for, you're usually going to go into the game feeling good, again, confident, not second-guessing anything that you're asked to do. And you just automatically go out there and say, yeah, I know this is going to work, so I'm going to run this route this way just like I did in practice. And guess what? If I do my job right, we're going to succeed. And, and so, yeah, it definitely starts in practice with guys doing what they're supposed to do and, uh, and doing it the right way. All right, before we jump in our three-and-out segment, let's touch on some topics on the defensive side of the football. Now, we've talked about injuries. Vernon Hargrave's out for the season. Boy, this secondary is really going to lean on some young players, and we don't know what, what's going on. Brent Grimes, he didn't practice again today. We'll find out his status. Doesn't look good for the Eagles. We will see. But I asked Levante David about, uh, you know, being a veteran on this defense, how can he help uh, the secondary and kind of help this defense as a whole moving forward here with these injuries? You've had young guys in the secondary have to step up with Grimes and, and now Hargraves' injuries. How has that affected this defense? Uh, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, when you got guys who have been in the system for a long time, they know, to, know what to expect, you know, as far as defensively. You know, it's, it's difficult putting new, uh, new guys in there. But, you know, the guys that stepped up came in and uh, did, their, did what they were supposed to do. You know, they've been throughout the program since OTA. So when they come in, we expect them to do their job. Um, no, there should be no uh, drop-off. And uh, we got all the confidence in the road in those guys, and they got the confidence in themselves. That's the main thing. You know, the, the guys that we did bring in that, um, that you know, replaced guys who did go down to injury, those guys got a lot of confidence in themselves, and that's what give us confidence. Now, one of those young guys in the secondary is rookie MJ Stewart. Now, his uh, fellow second-rounder, Carlton Davis, got his first start in New Orleans and suffered some growing pains, but Dirk Cutter said that's what you expect against the future Hall of Famer, Drew Brees, and he felt like he got better during that game. If you haven't seen it on PewterPirates.com, we have a rookie diary every week with MJ Stewart, and we've continued it during the regular season. We're going to debut the whole thing on our website tomorrow, but I caught up with MJ one-on-one and talked to him about the Hargraves injury and uh, the added playing time he's going to see now. How much do you feel for yeah. Vernon right now? Uh, I mean, I feel a lot for him. You know, he's playing very well, like he always does. And, you know, it's sad to see any teammate get hurt. The, the veterans on this defense, uh, with all the injuries to the secondary, have they helped you guys a little bit uh, in terms of game planning and, and the little things and getting ready for games? Yeah, they have. They have a lot. So. In what ways? Uh, just helping us, you know, making sure we, you know, getting the right film study, just making sure uh, we, we stay in our book, just staying on top of things. That's his thoughts on Vernon Hargraves. Roy, you know, we talk about the secondary and the banged-up defensive line. It seems like the linebacker is always that solid core of this defense. Yeah, it it is, and it's got to be, and it may have to be again. I'll tell you, we may see some some moving around here. Um, I don't know if it happens now, but we may see the Bucs 
Think about moving one of these linebackers into a safety spot, uh, kind of a strong, strong safety in the box kind of thing. They're going to have to adjust, in my opinion, to these losses uh, to with the cornerbacks. And one of those changes might be Justin Evans coming in, playing in the slot a little bit, which allows MJ Stewart and Carlton Davis to be on the outside as opposed to Ryan Smith being in one of those spots. Uh, that's going to force another safety to come on board. Who knows? Um, they, maybe they try to bring back Keith Tandy if he's out on the street. Um, that might make some sense at this point. Uh, JV he was actually play up this week, yeah. And, and it's possible one of the linebackers, you know, could come back and, uh, you know, maybe play a little safety. Uh, I think some of these guys probably have that ability uh, when you consider the, the, you know, the style of linebackers that the Bucks have. So well, I won't be surprised if come Sunday, uh, if, the, if the guys are missing that we're expecting, certainly Vernon Hargraves won't be there, Brent Grimes doesn't make it either, um, or if another injury hits, uh, we see some kind of a, you know, shifting of some of these guys, somebody's going to have to learn to play a little bit different position maybe, or at least maybe a little bit different technique in order uh, to, to make up for the losses. Yeah. The Falcons uh, see your line of thinking. They picked up Keith Tandy this week. So a lot of teams in the NFL are fighting this. I mean, the Falcons have had some big time injuries to their defense as well. So the bucks aren't alone, but it's never easy if you're an NFL team. Well, we're heading towards the finish line. Justin, you know what time that is, right? I do. Ring it out, baby. Roy Cummings' favorite theme song takes him back to when he was uh, a youngster. Game show watching fool back in the day. Has it dropped an Eddie Haskell uh, or Bachelor line on us? Uh, I tend to learn something about Roy Cummings every time we do these three and outs, so I look forward to it. This is three questions, and Roy Cummings and everybody is out of here. And you know what? Uh, He doesn't know these questions, so that's why – he doesn't really know anything we do in this podcast. That We're all spontaneous. That's what makes a good podcast. That's why we're gaining steam. We appreciate everybody's support with us. All right, number one in our three and outs. Who was the bigger winner in week one for the Bucks? Ryan Fitzpatrick or Todd Munkin? <laughs> um, as much as uh, we want to praise Todd Munkin and his play calling, um, it, it's got to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is a guy that a lot of people around the league doubted, um, you know, in New, if the, if the Bucks have been playing the Jets, you know the, the Jets would have thought they would have had a great opportunity. Your Jets fans would have thought the same. I mean, nobody gave Ryan Fitzpatrick much of a chance. Look, most everybody thought the Buccaneers were going 0-3 to start the season because of this tough three games they got they got to start the season, and because Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback. Well, Ryan Fitzpatrick proved that their backup quarterback is not their weakest link. That's not even close. Not on offense. Uh, it's going to have to be found somewhere else, whatever that weakest link on offense is, because it's not the backup quarterback. Um, given a game plan that works, uh, given proper execution by the, the players around him, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to do one heck of a job for you as your quarterback, uh, no matter what position he's in. And uh, whether it's a backup starter, you know, coming in late in the game to, to fill in for an injured guy or whatever, he's going to give you a, an opportunity to win. And my guess is, uh, He's already got the Buccaneers thinking about what do we do come week four. So um, he's the big winner here. Is there an offensive wink link? Yeah, there is. Um, Caleb Benenock, more than likely, uh, the right guard, um, really not his natural position. He's really just kind of filling the filling the hole there. Um, look, I, I love DeMar Dotson, but I don't know how efficient he is at this point in his career. Um, so 
I would say that's, that's the weak link right now. It's the right side of the offensive line. But, again, I said earlier that as a unit they played very well. Um, but, uh, you know, let, let's, let's see how they play over the course of uh, a few games as opposed to one. Guys, couldn't we make some money to go out and print some Fitz Magic shirts or Fear the Beard? I mean, I, if I'm a Bucks fan, I'd buy one of those walking into Ray J for the home opener. Just sell it across the street. You don't have to worry about copyright. You'd make no some doubt. bucks doing that, couldn't you? I have a feeling you'll be seeing a lot of them now. It's like Houdat shirts in uh, New Orleans. Uh, my friend Bobby Bear, I used to kid him at training camp. He hosts a radio show and, of course, the – Ex uh, Falcons and Saints quarterback, he must have a million shirts that say "Who Dat" in some form or fashion. He must. I this mean, he, he just to do he it, them every day. This is the week to do huh? it, Mike. Because if, if this is the week to do it, coming off that great game, if I'm out, for, I'm out if I'm going to a Bucks game this weekend, I'm buying a Ryan Fitzmagic T-shirt. Man, this is the week to do it. Fear the beard. You could put Ryan Fitzpatrick's face on one of those old swashbuckler helmets. He would fit right in. Just put his face there. I mean, there's so many marketing ideas. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's copyrighted Fitzmagic. It's almost like what Pat Riley with the three-peat or two-peat or whatever he had. I mean, if you copyright that, go for it, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Number two in our three and out. Um, you were, you, you've been a part of this for a long time, Roy, but they gave away the good guy award today in the Bucks locker room. To the guy who's really the best interview, who's the best to the media, you're familiar with this, of course. Yep, sure am. Uh, Cameron Brate won, and boy, it's tough to argue. Cam Brate, you know, great, smart, great soundbite, great after a win or a loss. He won the award, but if you couldn't give it to Cam Brate, the best interview on this Bucks team, who'd you give it to? Well, the previous, Most accessible. previous winners uh, include DeMar Dotson, uh, Mike Evans, um, funny, it's all offense. Uh, I'll tell you what. Well, Gerald McCoy won it once, um, so I wouldn't. Get, I can't give it to guys who've, who've received it already. Um, I think I would probably give it to Levante David because Levante David yep. uh, is always there for us when we need him. He's there. Him or Quan Alexander. Uh, both of those guys yep. are stand-up guys. Um, they know their role as leaders on this team, and they know that. It's often on them to uh, to be there and be spokesman for the defense. And so I, I'm going to lean over to the defensive side again, and uh, I would give it to one of those two. You know, Mike Evans, I know he's been given the award. Ben, he is good. Mike Evans always talks and uh, always shows up in the locker room, which they don't have to do. And MJ Stewart, I love MJ Stewart, but he's got to earn his stripes. I'm going to give you a wild card. I don't think a lot of people know this, but we've talked about it in the podcast. And I feel for Vernon Hargraves in a lot of ways because he was having a great – not a great season, but he was having a good camp and off to a good start. But Vernon Hargraves, I'll never forget the interview, and we've talked about this, came over one-on-one after practice in the indoor facility, talked to us for our video wrap on PeterPyrus.com. I asked him some tough questions about the critics and all that, and he answered every one. So I will say this, though. There's not really – I mean, on, on a lot of football teams, you have a couple guys you want to avoid. I can't think of any on this Bucks team. It's, it's, a, it's a good locker room to cover. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, we're blessed with this group. We don't have too many guys that uh, uh, give you the high hat. So, uh, no, we're, we're, we're very fortunate here. We've got a great group of guys, and, uh, you know, it's good. It's good for everybody. Good for the fans. Exactly. All right, our last three now, we'll bring Justin in for this, too. We like to mix pop culture in with football. We're not all just football here. We'd like, you know, to expand our audience. I got an email the other day for the Paul McCartney uh, tour this year, and I know you've seen him how many times, Roy? Twice? Oh, three times. Oh, three times. That's- nice. All right, 
I want to ask you guys this, and obviously you can't say Paul McCartney, but I'd love to see Paul McCartney. I've never seen him. But there's got to be a concert out there or a performer that you've never seen that you would like to see. And is there one that really stands out? Justin, you want to go first? Yeah, I. the one band... We didn't rehearse this. We didn't rehearse this. <laughs> the one band I have yet to see, it's probably one of my favorite bands. Uh, and probably pretty soon if I don't do it, I won't have a chance much longer, but uh, it would be the Beach Boys. Nice. I know that's your favorite. You've never seen them, huh? No, I haven't. I, I actually, they played at Jazz Fest many years ago, and I almost went, decided not to, and I've kicked myself ever since. I saw what about Beach you? Boys. I saw the Beach Boys as the um, half, no, it was a post-game act for a UCF homecoming football game. Wow. Uh, way back before UCF was the UCF that it is now. This is back when nice. they were a Division II school uh, wow. playing at the Citrus Bowl. And uh, the Beach Boys were the um, post-game homecoming, uh, you know, concert. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was a thrill. Wow. Lean times for the Beach Boys back then. Yeah, yeah sure was. <laughs> it was around, you know, just after the Kokomo stuff and all oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. So they actually had a hit, but um, they were having a hard time getting gigs, I'm thinking. I like Kokomo, by the way. Well, you have you have a concert you've uh, would like, if I could, I'll give you tickets and you can go to one that you've never seen. Well, is it a band that we can only see now? Because it would be the Beatles, but because I never saw the Beatles together live. Right. You could create your own rules, Roy. Whatever you want. <laughs> but um, boy, you know, I'll tell you. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, you know, I, I've seen so. I mean, I've I've seen a lot that I. I'm trying to think of what I'd like to see that I haven't. Um, I mean, I saw The Who. I've seen The Rolling Stones. Uh, I've seen you too. Uh, oh, uh, here we go. YouTube is, YouTube is fabulous. R.E.M. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, be- oh, because wow. I, I want to I make it a band that's st- still around. Right. Um, I know that they haven't done right. much in a long time. But, um, you know, if, 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 since the Beatles, since that, you know, we, we'd have to be in Fantasyland for that to happen. Uh, I'll make it REM. Roy, did you see any of the Beatles when they went solo? Like, had you seen them live, like Paul McCartney or? Yeah, I saw McCartney. I've seen McCartney three times and Ringo Starr. Uh, I've ne- I never saw Lennon and I never saw George Harrison play. Oh, wow. Did Ringo Starr play at halftime at UCF too? No, no, that was the all-star <laughs> band. Uh, one of his, uh, <laughs> one of his, uh, one of his all-star band tours. And uh, I'll tell you what. A kid. It, a kid. it was a hell of a fun show. I know. I'm, I'm ripping on your boy. I'm sorry. I'm going to show you my music range with mine. You guys may be surprised by this. All right. I never saw Van Halen. And I know, you know, I, I, I love Van Halen growing up. But David Lee Roth is just, uh, you know, he just can't do it anymore. Mm. And I like him with Van with David Lee Roth. I saw David Lee Roth on a solo tour way back in the 80s. And I saw him with Hagar, but I never saw him with David Lee Roth. So I don't know if that will ever happen. But here's the guy I'd really like to see the most. And he was at Jazz Fest, too, recently, Justin. I love this guy. I'm a big Tom Petty. I'm a big Billy Joel. But he's on my Mount Rushmore. I love Stevie Wonder, man. Oh. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to knock and, that. And you know what? I don't know if – I think he has, like, the – I saw Lionel Richie in Vegas recently. But Stevie – you know, some of those guys go to Vegas and they play for a while. If he goes to Vegas and does that, I'm there. I, I love Stevie Wonder. To me, it's amazing – 
how many hit songs that guy has. It's incredible. Yeah, it really is. Uh, that Boy, that's a mic drop right there. I mean, I think you, you well, Beach Boys are pretty good, but you blew out R.E.M. on mine. <laughs> but I mean, and I think R.E.M. is, you know, uh, that, uh, that's as solid a band as we've had since the 90s so uh, or 80s. Well, I, I'm glad I didn't overplay the mocking. Yeah, but I will tell you this. I'll leave our podcast listeners. If you've stayed this long and we're almost 40 minutes in, we really appreciate it. Do I do by Stevie wonder. Uh, that's the, that's my favorite song of all time. Just saying, all do right. I do. You should have told me I would have played that out. Yeah. I'd like to have heard that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you're off, you can Google it. And if your viewers like it, you know, give us your feedback, but well, uh, since we're, guys, since we're on that subject, uh, my Sharia more that's, Oh yeah. Right there. Yeah. Got so many, man. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And given the setbacks he's had in his life, it's, I mean, the attitude that guy has and the fact that he's still working hard, it's, it's really amazing. But anyway, all right. From, uh, you know, from, from <laughs> Todd Monken to Stevie Wonder to REM to the beach boys, we covered it all guys. Good job. I appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, you got it. <laughs> it's been fun. Yeah, always. All right, guys. That's another rendition of A Few Extra Bucks. Uh, please subscribe to PeterPyrus.com. We're picking up steam, especially this podcast, uh, really jumping in terms of people listening. We're on iTunes now, so we appreciate that. We have our latest video wrap previewing the Eagles game. We'll release our MJ Stewart Rookie Diary tomorrow on Friday. Uh, so uh, thanks for logging on. We'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great brews, great food, tremendous service. We'll see how these Bucks fare against the Eagles. We'll recap it after the game, and we'll have two podcasts each week. Thanks again for logging on. PeterPyrus.com. This is a few extra bucks. Yeah.